0: Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, a writer and mostly sensible habit maker. So one thing I don't talk about much in my work is sex. Not for any particular reason, it's just not something that's high on my list of priorities to research or form solid opinions on. However, I have a lot of listeners who've asked about sex therapy, so I've got Asaya McKimmy on the show to, well, talk about sex. She is a ridiculously qualified sex therapist with a master's degree in relational psychotherapy, a master's degree in science in medicine, sexual counseling, Psychosexual and a postgraduate diploma of sexology, just to name a few of her many qualifications. She's pretty much Australia's most qualified relationship and intimacy specialist. I asked on Instagram last week if anyone had any questions, and all of the questions that were asked will be answered in this episode. Welcome, Asaya.
1: Thank you so much for having me Carly.
0: No problem at all. I like to start each episode with a recommendation. So my recommendation this week is Stranger Things season four. So it's been like, it's been a really long time in between seasons because of COVID and all of that, but it's just such a really solid fun show. I found this season was like far more gory than the previous seasons though. So just a bit of a warning if you're not into that, but um, I'm finding it kind of extra gory. So that makes it less gory. like it's kind of funny rather than scary, if you know what I mean. Have you, do you watch Stranger
1: Things? I, I have not, have not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I probably didn't give it the best rap there, but the, yeah, the, the season four is really good, but like, yeah, you kind of just end up laughing at it rather than being particularly scared. But, um, what is your recommendation of the week?
1: So that's a really good question. Um, I, so I have to say, I don't watch a lot of tv um and i don't have netflix or any kind of subscription anymore so it's like i'm i'm down to the good old abc um but i what i did watch recently that i loved is muster dogs it's a super cute show about training dogs to muster cattle and sheep and and so it's just gorgeous so so if you want like a nice kind of wholesome family just kind of feel good show muster dogs abc Believe it or not,
0: that's not the first time someone has recommended that on this show. It's come up before. I've got. I've got a regular guest who comes and does just like a full recommendations episode with me called Chrissy and she's recommended mustard dogs we actually um my partner and I went to a uh, a wool and sheep show uh, because I crochet and knit and I was basically there for like the wool and then we got s- not stuck but just kind of like drawn into watching the cattle dog performances because they kind of have like cattle dog competitions and we just they were do. like this is incredible and we were watching it and we got really behind certain dogs and we were like rooting for them and it's it seems like the type of thing that you just wouldn't be into but it is so enthralling
1: they're so gorgeous I kind of grew up in the country so I love things like that that take me back to my roots whereabouts are you from in the country I'm from country Victoria
0: oh lovely I'm in country Victoria that's where I am I'm in the northeast
1: (laughs) where we're
0: just we're just near Beechworth
1: uh so I grew up in Wangaratta we were we're neighbors (laughs) (laughs) many, many trips to the Beechworth Bakery. (laughs) Lovely. Yeah, Wangaratta is our local Kmart. So
0: yeah, (laughs) how funny. That's hysterical. Um, So I do, I have you on the show to talk about sex and intimacy. Firstly, can you explain what a sex therapist actually does and what a typical work day would look like for you? And I, I have it correct. You are a sex therapist, Yeah. Is that the correct term?
1: So I am a sex therapist. I'm also um, a couples therapist um, and a a sexologist as well. Uh, So I am a couples therapist, a sexologist, and a sex therapist, all of them together. What is a sexologist? Yeah, so a sexologist is essentially someone who has studied sex at, um, at university, undergrad or post-grad level. Um, so it's sexology is a scientific study of sex. Um, I have been a clinical sexologist, so my training in sexuality was about working with um, people who are experiencing challenges around sex. And then I also completed another qualification that allowed me to be a sex therapist as well. So there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, but sex therapist is a correct term as well.
0: Yeah, so you've just got all the qualifications then.
1: Oh, th- yeah, I, I spent a lot of time studying sex, intimacy and relationships. So what
0: does a typical workday look like for you? Like what, like who do you talk to? Like what happens?
1: So... Um, a, sex, a sex therapist is really there to support people with challenges that they are having around sexual intimacy. So that can be anything from pain during sex, difficulty reaching orgasm, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, or mismatched libidos as well. Um, because I studied to be a couples therapist as well, I tend to mostly see um, individuals or couples who are having problems with intimacy, be it deeper emotional intimacy, or they're having challenges with sex in their relationship as well. So
0: it sounds to me like you're qualified to figure out whether or not it is like physical or emotional so that seems like that would kind of be your first port of call like is this a physical issue or is it like a psychological issue?
1: Yeah exactly so I would want to make sure that there isn't um, a physical issue that they need medical attention for before we um, jump into to treatment so often um, if there is pain during sex for example or erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, um, I would make sure that someone has seen their GP or recommend that they go and do that. A lot of the issues that I work with are that a couple has different desire levels or they're having recurring arguments or a woman has never reached an orgasm or doesn't really know what she likes during sex. So um very often I work with the issues where there isn't um, something medical physical but but sometimes I do have to recommend that people check that out first.
0: So what kind of people engage your services? So I know that you said that you work with couples, but would your target demographic be like middle-aged people or like single people or like what like if you if you had a pie chart of the people that came to you for your services, is there a big piece of pie or is it just like all across the board?
1: The pie is pretty well across the board. I do work with more couples than individuals at the moment, but I love working with individuals as well. I have worked with clients who have been 18 all the way through to clients in their 60s who want a better sex life, who want to learn more about what it is to be intimate. Um, Mostly my couples are like really successful couples who are in their 30s and 40s and feel like they've kind of got everything else together, but they're struggling with intimacy and relationships and they just can't quite figure out why. Or with uh, individuals, again, largely in their 30s and 40s who for some reason are struggling to find or create the relationship that they really want.
0: I absolutely love the idea of an 18-year-old coming for sex therapy. I think that's so evolved. Are you noticing maybe that there's more younger people searching out that kind of thing now?
1: You know, it is totally across the board. I think I'm seeing more people at, at kind of both ends of the spectrum who, you know, a, a lot of couples also kind of later in life saying, I feel like I should know this, but our sex life has never been what I wanted it to be can you help us, can you, you know, can you give us some tools or some tips and tricks around this? Um, or women who were deciding in their 50s I've never had an orgasm, and this is something that I'm no longer willing to to live without. So I I feel like over the last 10 or 15 years, it's become more socially acceptable to talk about sex, and there's more kind of out there where people can kind of access information and feel like, oh, I I have more of an idea of what I'm missing out on now, and they're also realizing that there are people they can go to to talk to about it.
0: And also kind of like the advent of the Instagram influencer in really niche circumstances. Like one thing that's popping up a lot for me on Instagram at the moment is like um, neurodiverse uh, people on Instagram. So lots of like ADHD Instagrammers and uh, people on the autism spectrum Instagrammers. And and also I think things like sex therapists are, are, are coming onto the platform as well and just being really niche on those subjects and making people be like, and, and it, it just like tiny little snippets of things that's like, oh, pain during sex. So someone can be like, oh, wow, that's a thing. Like other people have experienced this. So, you know, like this is what people are talking about.
1: Absolutely. We're realizing what's not normal and what all the possibilities are as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions around sex therapy?
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel like there's, there's so many... You know when i think of couples therapy as well because i you know I'm, I'm so often working with both i think one of the biggest myths is that things have to be really bad before you reach out and see a therapist or oh, there's something wrong with me if i need to go and see a therapist and that i think really fits with another myth that is we should be able to figure it out on our own we shouldn't have to go and find out information relationships sex should just come naturally and the truth is they don't sex and relationships are skills that that we learn and we get such a terrible education in our society about them Um, it makes sense that there is so much that we just don't really know and understand about it so I would say they they are probably the two biggest myths that that I hear
0: What would you change about uh, sex education in schools if you had the chance?
1: Oh, my goodness. So (laughs) much. So much. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I'm guessing we probably had a really kind of similar education and so many people listening can probably relate to this. But, you know, we got kind of taught the basics, the biology, and largely we got taught how not to get pregnant. But there is so much more consent pleasure, what our bodies are capable of, intimacy, how to talk about sex, the differences that we can experience around sex, and that there's a whole spectrum of normal out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that our generation particularly would have really benefited from any other education other than the very basic one that we got. And I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, so mine was even worse. It was... It was very much abstinence, um, but also if you must, then use a condom. And that was pretty much it. That was like the whole thing that we got. So thank God my mother was a um, sexual health nurse. So I was the one that was giving all the information to
1: everyone.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I do think that like young kids can absolutely benefit from being taught more about as the things that you were saying, like consent and pleasure and that kind of thing, because it's just like, it was, it was just bypassed. Like it wasn't even a thing that was considered.
1: Completely. And so we can then often think, oh, there's something wrong with me or I should know more about this or why can't my partner and I talk about sex? Why are we arguing about it? Because we never got taught. Yeah. And also
0: I think that I think both boys and girls can benefit from that conversation as well, because I found that like girls are obviously really embarrassed to talk about it. But I think that we talk about it a lot more freely than boys do. And in a more kind of um, honest, I guess, even medical sort of a way than boys do, whereas boys are likely to just not talk about it at all, or talk about it in kind of like a, a, a macho sort of performative way
1: much more of a a jokey way we we have I, I think both um both genders really struggle with with sex and often in really different ways women get a lot more fear and shame around sex men have shame around it too and they also have the pressure of they should know what to do uh so some some differences there but oh my gosh I wish we all learned to talk about sex more openly I wish we knew how our bodies could experience pleasure I wish we knew what was normal
0: oh we can only drink we can only dream
1: <laughs> um so is
0: intimacy and sex therapy somewhat harder than regular therapy because there are more people involved in it so I like when I was looking at, at the type of work you do I was like it's mainly couples work like how are you getting two people to commit to to seeking help on that kind of thing
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So I I also lecture um, in uh, couples counselling and my students would say absolutely, yes, it's harder when you have two people in the room. Look, couples therapy isn't for everyone. Um, And I would certainly say to to anyone who was looking for a couples therapist, um, find someone who specializes in the area because it is a really different um, set of skills and, and not everyone is really well trained in this area. I personally love doing couples therapy. I love doing sex therapy with couples as well. Uh, I think it's so rewarding to see how a couple can change their interactions once they've been working with me um, for a period of time. But it certainly has some extra challenges. Uh, very often one person wants to be in therapy more than the other one does. One person is like, no, I don't think we need it. I don't think, think things are really that bad. And the other will say, no, no, I I really want us to do this. So there are definitely extra challenges uh, with with doing work with two people, but so, so rewarding. How long did
0: it take you to like hone your professional Uh, persona around that and not just take sides immediately. I feel like if I was a couples therapist, I'd be like, well, she's in the wrong here and you're in the right. And you just can't say that in a couples therapy session, can you?
1: No, but I, the way that I see it is that a relationship is created together. And so each person might bring different different aspects to, to the problem, but it's really created together. So it, you know, it kind of did take some time. Um, I, I suppose, but now I I really see it as something that a couple is in together. That's a very,
0: very mature response. I'm clearly juvenile. I'm like, well, whose fault is it then? Let's find out.
1: Um, can you tell us what
0: the weirdest thing you've ever had happen in a session? Like, I know you've got client confidentiality, but if you do have a funny story that you can share, we would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, you know, I I have to say, I think it's because I am so, so used to this. For me, and for me, like everything that I face in therapy actually just seems really normal to me. Like, I, I don't have... Um, I don't have things that feel kind of outside the realm of like it's like oh yeah of course people struggle with that oh yeah of course that's an issue like absolutely um so um I mean sometimes um I mean sometimes there are funny things that happen um in the session like my clients will often say oh my gosh we actually kind of laugh in here much more than, than we thought that we would. Like it's actually more kind of lighthearted than we than we imagined, especially once they start reconnecting. But I can't really say um, there's there's anything that I think is like weird or kind of amusing in that sense that I can that I can go out and, and share what it is. So you've never had a couple like break up in the middle of a session? Oh, uh, um no <laughs> I mean No, actually, that That was a long pause. That was, I was like, actually, has that happened? Um, No, it did happen once really, really early, um, early on. Um, Those couples, often they've, they've were in a pretty bad place um, to start with. And then something will happen in the session where where they kind of realize we can't do this. Um, We can't do this anymore. I mean, most of the couples I work with end up end up staying um together but that that occasionally happens yeah
0: yeah that that must be comforting it must not be a very good day at the office when you have a breakup
1: not a good day at the office at all so so much more i'm hearing it like from the other end of the spectrum oh we thought we were going to break up and now we're you know and now we're better than better than ever so that's that's thankfully much more the majority of what i do
0: Well, that's great. That's, that's a job. Well done then. Um, do you do most of your work in person or online these days?
1: I do all my work online. I've actually been fully online for five years, which oh, um, wow. has been amazing. Um, it, because I'm I'm so often working with couples, obviously it requires two people to be in the same place. And um, and it's so much easier for the couples I work with to either do the school run and then come back home to do the session or to do the sessions in the evening. So yeah, um, that makes perfect sense. And then you're available to everyone. Like you don't have to
0: be local or
1: yeah. And I can offer so much more flexibility to my clients that way as well. So I, I personally love working via Zoom.
0: Yeah. where My partner and I both work from home and we have no complaints about it at all. I'm quite happy to just never go into an office ever again. It's great. Um, so I've got some listener questions if you don't mind answering oh, them. I put a shout out on um, Instagram last week. So mm. question number one, I've, I've, I was going to make up funny names, but then I didn't get around to it. So I'm just putting question one, question two. These are real people, but I'm just protecting their identity. So question one is mismatched libido with classic heteronormative mismatched share of household labor, mental load, toddlers sleeping in our room, lots of hurdles. Um, they want to know how to break the cycle of a week without sex. Husband gets sulky. The wife finds this even less attractive and she's even less interested until it explodes in a massive fight. And then they make up and finally weeks later they have great sex. So it's a, it's a cyclical question, mm. if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. So, I mean, so the, the really kind of key point in there is breaking the cycle and, um, And so there's, there's really kind of three steps um, to that. And, and these are the three areas that I work with, um, with in, with pretty much every couple that I work with around. The first one is to build connection. So um, making sure that they stay good friends, have positive interactions together, feel valued and appreciated and respected by each other. And so that can be setting aside time to just sit down and talk with each other each day as, as that connection builds, the kind of frustration of the lack of sex is likely to go down for the higher desire partner. And the desire to have sex is more likely to increase for the lower desire partner who usually wants the kind of emotional intimacy first. I'm also learning tools for better communication Uh, one partner kind of being moody because they're not getting their sexual needs met is a way of communicating but it's not a very effective way of communicating so learning to share with each other the emotions that are going on under their um Under their temper tantrums, under their moodiness, under their um, saying no to the other person is so important to to, um, bring harmony to the relationship, but also to bring intimacy. So once a relationship has more connection and better communication, then a couple can take on the challenge of mismatched libidos as a team, rather than it being something that they're on opposite sides around. And so then um, I would encourage them to start building in ways of being physical with each other and playful with each other and giving desire a chance to, to respond to that. So there's quite a few steps in there. Um, it, it sounds like quite a complex situation for, for that couple. Uh, that was a fantastic answer. I think that
0: that listener really got their money's worth out of that question. I do really love the the, the tip about it always coming back to intimacy first yeah. and working on that not not physical intimacy but emotional intimacy. Like I I really appreciate that connection. That's a a really good thing to to point out to to the listeners. So question two. Uh, is it okay that I don't orgasm when I have sex? My boyfriend does every time, and I don't, but I feel satisfied and happy. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, I feel like um, that that listener has absolutely answered their own question. As long as she feels satisfied and happy about it, there's absolutely no no issue. Um, very often for um, for women, but men also they don't feel like orgasming every time they have sex. It doesn't mean that they didn't enjoy it. It doesn't mean that their partner's doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them. There are lots of different ways that we can engage in sex and enjoy it. Where issues can sometimes arise is for example, if that person's partner is kind of feeling um, embarrassed or in or inadequate because they can't make their partner orgasm. And of course we never, We never make someone orgasm, Um, but that's where challenges can arise between couples, Um, and it's often difficult to explain to a partner in that situation that your partner's still enjoying herself, she just doesn't necessarily want to have an orgasm.
0: So just on on another note, if someone, uh, particularly a woman, is um, not orgasming during sex, where is a good place to start for that? Because I have had a few people come to me and, and talk about that before.
1: Yeah, so um, there's a a couple of main reasons that women struggle to reach orgasm. The first is inadequate foreplay. So women's bodies need at least 20 minutes of foreplay in order to fully prepare for sex. And most couples, when they first step into my office and tell me about the challenges that they're having, we'd have no one near that. (laughs) I'm
0: like, oh, really? Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Note to
1: Self. (laughs) Very important foreplay is core play. It's so important. Actually, it can really enhance enjoyment for um, for for both men and women. Actually, so increase foreplay, you increase your pleasure. When there are when there is deep kissing, uh, genital touch with your hands and oral sex included in that foreplay, uh, you're going to increase your chance of having an orgasm even further. Um, One of the other main reasons that women struggle to reach orgasm is because during penetration sex, they don't get the direct clitoral stimulation that they need in order to reach orgasm. So adding in direct clitoral stimulation uh, is one of the, the other ways that we can increase someone's chance of reaching orgasm.
0: Perfect, that's wonderful advice. Uh, I've got question number three. Uh, so, tips for when work life affects your libido and how to get it back and I just wanted to add on to that because I was thinking about this question when you were speaking before about couples that come to you for uh like you were saying kind of like couples in their 30s that uh, you know just don't have enough time and that kind of thing and I'm just kind of thinking in the like they've got time for sex therapy like I I think this is kind of a very a very big broad issue where people are just kind of like I'm too tired um my, my life is overwhelming and I just don't feel like it
1: yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things that I think uh, are important. Um, one is that we often have to reduce the stressors in our life, like really look at, are we over committing to, um, to work, to a social life, to trying to fit too many things um, into our day? And also, how are we managing that stress internally? Do we have um, things that we are doing on a daily basis that help us feel calmer and more relaxed? So we often have to work on both of those. So mindfulness, meditation, exercise, for example, can help us deal better with the stressors that we're facing on the outside. The other, the other kind of part to this is, uh, just as you said, we make time for what's important. To us, and so often I will speak to to couples who, for example, spend more time at the gym each week than they do with each other as a couple, uh, and that is one of the benefits to to sex therapy. You book it in your diary, you show up, and then you're having the kind of conversations with each other that you wouldn't just kind of have while you're both, you know, cooking dinner or watching watching TV. So even booking time in your diary. Um, where you can sit down and talk or booking time for what I call an intimacy date or a bedroom date can also be really helpful. Instead of just expecting intimacy to happen at the end of the day when you are both tired and stressed, giving yourself time so you can get into the moment and de-stress can help you start to fit that into your lives. That's perfect.
0: Thank you so much. That just about wraps it up. But I do like to finish the show with a little segment called Kicked Arse and Kicked My Arse, where we each share something that we kicked ass at and something that kicked our ass. So I'll start. My Kicked My ass" this week is that uh, our three-year-old has just had this on again off again runny nose and we just are waiting for it to turn into something hardcore and it kind of won't and it's we're in our third week and we're like are you gonna have like four days off school or are you not so we're just kind of working like demons trying to get all of our work done when she's here and then just being like can we send you to school I don't know like it's just it's just such a tease it's driving us nuts we're exhausted (laughs) so what uh what kicked your ass this week
1: Okay, this this kind of feels like such a mundane thing, but I tried to open a new bank account this week, and 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 I like I just like so many hours going around in circles online, so many hours on hold to the bank. Like, like I just like it just was too much for me. It was it was just. It's too like much. they don't want your money.
0: It is bizarre. Like. I actually recently, I got a a check from America from an affiliate that I work with, and it was a sizable check. And I went to my bank and they don't accept foreign checks. They just don't accept them. I was like, what are you talking about?
1: That's literally their job to to be able to accept money
0: for you. Exactly. Exactly. And then we actually ended up going to a, to another bank and then they couldn't do it either. None of the banks in Australia are accepting foreign checks anymore. So that's just a public service announcement for anyone who thinks that they can cash foreign checks. And then eventually I went back to the affiliate and I was like, no one can cash this check. Can you just like, I don't know, put it into my account or like send me a gift card or something? And they were like, yeah, sure. That's fine. But it was unbelievable. I was just like, you... And I was so rude. I was like, I'm usually not a rude person, but I absolutely lost it. Because they were being really rude. They were like, well, what do you want us to do about it? I'm like, I want you to be a bank. Like, I was, yeah, it was It was. not, it was not my finest hour. I was, yeah, I was. A,
1: I'm feeling for you. Oh yeah, God. we were on we <laughs> the phone
0: this week to the bank just being like, come on, give me my bank account. It's just like, oh, my God. And these are all the stresses that stop us from being able to have good sex, aren't they? <laughs> This is exactly
1: true. I was not in the mood for anything that afternoon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, So my kicked ass this week is that I've had a few brands reach out for influencer work. So like last year, was the first year in over a decade where I had almost no brand work and like it was definitely pandemic related. But the year before I had a spike in brand work, um, but the second year it just like really trickled off. And like, to be honest, I don't really love brand work. I, I, It has to be a really good genuine fit. I don't seek it out. So it was just interesting that it just kind of dried up. But like this year it's sort of come back a bit, which is interesting and I'm like oh well someone still got it so yeah that was nice (laughs) I (laughs) loved it. congratulations (laughs) (laughs) thank you uh what did you kick ass at this week
1: I finished marking um all my student papers for this semester which feels like quite quite an accomplishment um as as we've kind of finished the semester and I was watching their role plays and then reading the papers that they submitted um and I'm really pleased to say that I finished that this week. That's a huge um, achievement. That's a lot. A huge, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's also because I used to be a teacher, but I taught kids. And when you teach adults, they can argue with you about, like, the scores that you give them. So, I like, yeah, hats off to you. That sounds really, really hard. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, we also have a freebie from you that I will give some um, some details about in the outro uh, and how you can download that,
1: but I will give you all of that information. But thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Carly. This has been really fun.
0: That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to very excellent habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. If you're interested in receiving a free guide for ways to deepen love and intimacy in your relationship, just visit the show notes for a link to a size guide. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at very excellent habits. You can also email me contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show at speakpipe.com forward slash very excellent habits for all the resources that you hear about on the show. You can grab them at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. Please don't forget to leave a rating and a review. It's the best way to help other people find the podcast until next time. Remember little habits, big life. I conclude this episode by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which I record today and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.